Welcome to Well Within Reach, an MTS therapy and wellness podcast. MTS Therapy and Wellness is an independently, locally owned company by a group of therapists with a home base in Lafayette, Louisiana since 1983. The company was started by Maverick Physical Therapists for their time, who had a desire to treat patients from a holistic perspective. The company is now led by a group of individuals who are bonded together by the same idea from 30 years ago, treating people wholly through the common disciplines of physical, occupational, and speech therapy. We share a common desire to treat our clients and our team through mind, body, and spirit. Our tribe of professionals have come together to form a perfect storm of therapy know-how and personal growth cravings. As a rapidly growing company, we are always looking to expand our footprint and our tribe. Our goal is to help people on their journey toward their best self. The goal of this podcast is to share information that we find important and interesting as we navigate the world of therapy, business, and leadership. Your goals are well within reach. We're here to help. I would like to welcome today's guest to our podcast, Mr. John Broussard. Welcome. Thanks, JD. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, let's start by just providing an introduction to our audience uh, that are listening in today. Uh, Give us a little background on yourself, uh, personally and professionally. So personally, um, I'm John Broussard. Like like you said, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, Was born here, kind of moved around a bunch due to being in the the world of college football with my dad coaching, Um, but was lucky enough to come back here, graduate from UL in Canice, and then go to physical therapy school in LSU Shreveport up there at the Health Science Center. And then started working with MTS in May of 2017. So next week will make my three years being here and working with the company. Excellent. You talk about jumping around, moving around, dad being a a football coach. Just speak of some of the areas that you have traveled to as a young kid and while you were in middle school and places like that, some of the various areas that you have been. So we, we lived in Lafayette and then we moved to Phoenix or more specifically the Scottsdale area. And then we moved to Martin, Tennessee, um, and then went back to Lake Charles, and then went to Nacogdoches, Texas, Louise, Texas town, and then came back to Lafayette right before uh, my junior year of high school. So fortunate enough to travel around and see a bunch of different places, but uh, glad to be home for sure. Gotcha. And talk a little bit about your educational background, kind of clinical experiences. You talked about graduating from, from LSU. Uh, we'll just speak a little bit about um, what you studied at UL, and then any of the clinical experiences that you may have had while in school at uh, LSU. Right, so went to UL for exercise science and was in the Kines program there. Um, while I was there, I was playing football, so I was fortunate enough to, to be a part of a good program, but then also to see several teammates and friends and other people kind of go through some injuries, which is what really piqued my interest. Um, I already knew I wanted to do physical therapy, thanks to one of our coworkers, that I've known for a long time, Brian Saunier, but was fortunate enough to, to be around that type of environment in a training room um, and then meeting other physical therapists and stuff while I was in school. And that just really pushed me to want to do that. So when I went to Shreveport, I kind of had that end goal of coming back to Lafayette and being around those same people. Um, so when I was in Shreveport, I did all my clinical internships back in Lafayette, uh, but I was lucky enough to do one with you, my first one. Um, learned a whole lot from you and from the athletic training, along with the PT side, kind of how you mold both of those together when treating athletes and just the general population as well. And then was fortunate enough to be at Lafayette General for another rotation for my inpatient and acute. Um, And then was with MTS for my final two 
because one of my rotations had fallen through and just needed a spot to go. So they were fortunate enough to take me back, which was awesome because that led me, led me to building relationships with the people here and ultimately getting a job here, which I, I love so much and just blessed to be around amazing people that I work with. Talk about your past uh, football career, dad being a football coach. Uh, have you experienced any major injuries during your career that, that kind of got you into the sports medicine field uh, or, or interested in it? Or, or did you stay pretty healthy throughout your playing career? Uh, I stayed relatively healthy. You know, my, my position wasn't the most physical at, at long snapper. Um, but I, I had a few uh, ridiculous symptoms with some neck issues and a, a broken wrist. No, nothing surgical or anything, just all kind of relative conservative maintenance. Um, but then I had one of my best friends on the team tore his ACL. I went through a long um, staph infection ordeal in the hospital and everything, and then happened to tear the other ACL. And my roommate had some issues and stuff too. So just being around two guys that were really important to me as far as personal relationships and seeing their recovery and their rehab and their dedication to getting back and recognizing how important the therapist was in their lives was huge for me. Definitely, definitely. And then as we're talking about your practice style now and your practice uh, that you're currently doing with patients in the Lafayette region, uh, talk a little bit about any type of specialty training or certifications that you have achieved since graduating PT school. Right. Um, I've taken a few of this online courses, but the biggest, I guess, certification would be dry needling. Um, I'm glad when I first graduated, there was a, a law saying that you had to wait two years in Louisiana to come out to dry needle. Um, and then within that first year, I think is when they changed the law to you could get the needling certification at any point in time upon graduation. But we had two other therapists that were already going through the course. So I kind of waited to take my course until this past spring, which was nice. You know, it allowed me to get my hands on patients and really work on my skills before getting into something that I felt was um, a little less conservative. And um, it just allowed me to develop my manual skills, some soft tissue skills as well and just get really good as far as being a therapist for evaluating movement and exercise. And then once I did get the needling certification, um, it was pretty neat to, to see how that tied into everything and then using it as an adjunct uh, modality instead of just solely relying on it. Not to say that everybody does that, but I know there are some people that like you get it first, you tend to lean on that more because you feel safe there. So it allowed me to build my confidence in other areas, which was huge for me coming out. Gotcha, definitely a good treatment rationale there, both combining exercise and other tools uh, that you may have, uh, specifically speaking about dry needling. Now you work with a large variety of patients, but one thing that I, I know you're passionate about is working with a competitive athlete. Uh, just speak a little bit about whether it be high school or collegiate athletes, how do you manage those athletes? Um, is it any different approach than, than the normal general public? Um, just give our listeners some insight on, on your approach to dealing with competitive athletes. I don't, I don't want to say it's different. I think the main thing what we should be doing with every patient is making sure that we're addressing their goals, you know, whether it's someone who just needs to go up and down the stairs or it's someone who needs to run a marathon or it's someone who needs to make a, a one-handed catch jumping in the end zone. You know, that it's still tailored to that person. Um, now, it does get different when it becomes right, the, the later stages of the rehab, right? So that, that initial ACL between um, I have a lady that may – have torn the ACL in her yard and just trying to get back to gardening and doing yard work versus some of my volleyball players that are trying to get back to jumping and spiking and, and diving and doing a lot of cutting motion. So that 
once we get those those initial rehab stages, things start to really get geared towards, all right, what do we need to do for sport? And then understanding their sport. I think that's something that you taught me as well, was making sure you can, like, if, if I don't know the sport perfectly, right? So I've had some people that were hockey players that, I mean, we're down south, you know, there's not a lot of hockey around here. But, all right, well, let me look it up. Let me figure out what it is you need to do. Okay, there's a guy who plays lacrosse, all right? Let me watch some lacrosse practices and, and go watch him play or his teammates play a game. And I can get on ESPN and watch it and sort of get an idea of what it is they're doing and then really tailor that that whole treatment um, time frame towards what it is they need to do, right? That way I'm not neglecting anything that, whether it be ACL, shoulder surgeries, whatever it is, it doesn't matter the, the injury, but that body needs to be capable of withstanding the forces that they're going to go through, if that makes sense. Definitely does. I think it makes a great point of having to understand what the end goal is for your patient, uh, whether they're a general population or a competitive athlete, definitely have to understand the demands of the activity that they're trying to get back to. Let's uh, pivot into a little bit about communication. So we all know that communication is, is essential in any business. Uh, but even more essential in the, in the medical field. And when you're dealing with competitive athletes, just talk a little bit about mm-hmm. some of the people that you may have to communicate with, whether it be a, a physician, athletic trainer, coach, parent. Uh, just talk a little bit about some of the communication strategies that you use to keep everybody right. in line with the plan of care. We've, we've been lucky enough to build relationships with, it, with the athletic trainers around town, um, especially at the collegiate level with the University of Louisiana. Um, and we try to do our best to talk to them if it's not every visit um, at least once a week and kind of give them an update so for let's say like it's today is it's friday for us so what i usually do on my fridays is make sure that i have my next week planned out and scheduled as far as their visits just like anybody else but then we communicate with that patron and say all right um what classes are they having what meetings are they having what practices are they going through what's their lifting schedule going to look like and then we try to make sure that their times fit with everything first. And then we move into, all right, if they have a lifting schedule, if it's in the off season or even during the season, what is it that they're going to be hitting with their strength coach? And how can we adjust our program to make sure that it's cohesive and everything is more of a synergistic type of activities? So I'm not squatting one day when they're going to squat the next day. Right? I'm not trying to double up on everything, but how can I kind of reinforce what it is they're going through? and then what we try to do is as we get to those later stages where we're transitioning them to being with the athletic trainer full-time or with their strength coach, we'll go in and meet with the strength coach. And uh, we've been lucky enough to, to meet with Coach Hockey, who is the head strength coach for football at the University of Louisiana. And I'll sit down with him and he'll show me the workout for the week. And we'll just brainstorm and talk about, all right, so-and-so had this surgery. What do we feel he is and where, where he's at in the time frame? And then how can we adjust, right? So I still want him with the team because to me that's important, someone who is a part of a team, to know that those guys that are on the team see him in the weight room with them and can be a part of it and still have him feel like he's there um, full time, even though he's going through his own rehab, and then making sure that, all right, if he's going to be there with him, how can we make sure he's not going to do anything that's detrimental and that everything is pushing him in the right direction, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it might be that we need to target on, we're hitting all those areas with the staff. Thanks for sharing those little tidbits of communication. I definitely think it's important for our audience members to understand how essential communication is in the sports medicine field and how you demonstrate 
uh, interdisciplinary teamwork and evidence-based practice, which are all the core competencies that are purported through the Institute of Medicine. So thanks for sharing those, those tidbits with us. As we move forward, I also want you to look a little bit. Uh, I know your uh, career has is just started, but can you just describe a special moment in the field of PT that you have witnessed, um, you know, maintaining the HIPAA guidelines when talking about uh, patients and athletes, right. but uh, any special moment that you look back on and, and makes you realize why you got into the field of physical therapy? I would think the, the most recent was a, a younger individual and she was um, into some gymnastics and some different things that, that I did not know a lot about um, whenever she came to me. And her family was very concerned with the injury she had. It was pretty significant, lower extremity injury. And it took us, I mean, it was seven months worth of therapy, um, some, a few complications as far as uh, having some different surgical things that had to happen afterwards just because of the injury being so severe. Um, and then maybe 10 months later, we, we kind of get her through her therapy. She's doing much, much better. Things are finally starting to improve. and. Brian, one of the other therapists, happened to see her family somewhere, and I get a video um, of her mom sends me via text of her doing like a cartwheel and then a toe touch. And to me, that was so huge to see her do what she loved and then to be able to realize that, man, they, they, they felt um, well enough to about me as just their therapist who was with her for, for an extended period of time, but just a guy they didn't know beforehand, and they were able to share something that they felt was extremely important to her and to them as a family that she get back to doing and, and involve me in that. And that kind of hit, tugged them a heartstrings a little bit. And then they send a, a, a sweet card to our, our whole facility, thanking everyone. And she took a picture with everybody afterwards and stuff. And uh, just being a part of that kind of environment is, is huge to me. Definitely, definitely. And then also, you know, for our audience members to understand that you know, just like in any line of work, there's not just the positive days. You also have days that are, are tough to deal with. Uh, so just speak a little bit on those tough days. How do you refuel on a personal and professional level? What are some strategies that you use to deal uh, with tough days in the field of physical therapy? I think the best thing for me is just talking to my wife and talking to my coworkers. Um, if there's anything going on that, you know, a lot of things are more so how you react when you, especially when you can't handle that situation, you can't change it. It's, it's, it's how you react to it. And I think the best way we can do is just lean on others, uh, lean on the people that are, have been doing this a lot longer than I have, um, getting advice from them, seeing what it is they would have done differently, or how can I improve if, if, if they see that there was a, a fault in me, for sure. I want to know that. I want them to be able to open up and say, hey, John, you could have done this better, or this could have probably pushed you in the right direction. And then just when I get home and talking to my wife, just trying to leave the work stuff there and letting my, my mind be clear when I'm home and present and allowing the, those times to refuel when I'm with my family. And then now that I have a son, being able to spend time with him and, and just kind of get away every now and then that way I'm not getting that burnout situation. I know a lot of people talk about within the realm of physical therapy, you know, it can be a little redundant at times. Um, but if, if you're around good people and you have a good support system, uh, I think you can, definitely love what you do and be around there to impact the field positively, even when you do have the tough days, you know. Definitely, definitely. Spent a lot of time so far talking about your past and the present and some things that you've experienced. I want to kind of pivot and look toward the future. 
uh, not only of, of your personal career, but also the field of physical therapy. Just tell us a little bit about what you're excited about moving forward uh, in the field of physical therapy and sports medicine. I think the most excited thing or most thing that I'm excited for is, is probably just how well the communication is between therapists, physicians, athletic trainers. And I think it's starting to improve. I, I, I realize that, especially with, with the opportunities we've had here, that people are starting to understand that if we're going to impact these people, people's lives, these patients' lives in the best way, then we have to communicate. And it's just the, the whole realm of PT is starting to, to be pushed in that direction where it's becoming united with other healthcare providers. And it's not a, not a war between one person and the other. It's, hey, how can we get this person better? And if, if we work together, then they're going to see something between us and realize, hey, they're all looking out for me. It's not, well, so-and-so said this or so-and-so said that. It's, it's a big, cohesive um, team. And, that, and to me, that's just huge. So I'm excited to continue working with other individuals and learning from them and then seeing how much better our patients get whenever they're in that type of environment and noticing that, man, there's, there's a lot of people looking out for me and the communication's constantly improving. And I hope it tends, it trends in that same direction. Definitely very important that you talk about the communication. We, we touched on that. And I think if you look at all healthcare systems and even organizations as you move up the line from sports medicine, that mm -hmm. it's a collaboration, it's interdisciplinary teamwork. You know, you have multiple professions working on athletes or even in these, these big healthcare systems, you have multiple disciplines working together. Just expand a little bit about uh, sometimes when it's, it's hard to work together with somebody, what are some strategies that you've used to try to encourage the teamwork, uh, whether it be people on your own staff or whether it be trying to bring people together from different backgrounds? What are some tools that you've used to try to enhance teamwork uh, in the medical professions? What we've tried to, to do over here is make sure that the, the patient knows that we are communicating with whether it be their doctor or um, another individual and telling them like, hey, look, we're here for you. If there's anything that, that you feel is unclear or we're not doing our best, then, then tell us how you think we can improve. So asking their opinion as well, but then also communicating with the doctors whenever we write our, our re-evaluations. If, if I'm sending over a re-evaluation or, or reassessment, I'm gonna call that doctor as well. If I feel like they're, they're not maybe getting the message or I'm not communicating it clear enough. Um, Cause I know it can be tough, especially when we're doing everything electronically nowadays like they're not getting that handwritten letter I'm just typing something over they may just see it really quick but if I give them an extra call and I put out the extra effort then they see that I care you know and I try to take that upon myself to where they understand hey John really wants me to take another look at this person maybe there might be more going on and then I've had them call me back and say hey what do you think and that feels good you know that they're you feel like your your peers and not there's someone who's who's always above you that you don't get to talk to, it takes away that facade of us not working together, you know, and it, and it puts you on that same team. And the same thing goes with the sports, sports medicine realm. I'm sure you've seen it in, in your time being an athletic trainer and a therapist that you appreciate the people who are reaching out to you more often. So I try to do the same with when we're working with our athletic trainers, especially at the university that, hey, so-and-so did great today. Just a quick text. And then I may call them later that afternoon, like, hey, what do you think we should do this week going into it? And then we'll spitball ideas back and forth. And that just leads to, to better communication and a better system that they feel comfortable in that 
I feel works better for the athlete or, or the patient, whatever, whoever it might be, because they sense that you're working as a team too. Uh, I mean, people are perceptive. They can pick up on those types of things and they, they can tell if there's animosity there. And I would hope that they see when they come to us that, man, they really do work to, well together and they're, they're looking out for me. They're not just worried about themselves. Definitely excellent, st excellent strategies there. I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. Uh, as we go into the next question, it's oft often a tough question for many of our guests on our podcast, uh, especially with somebody so young as yourself and, and young in their career. Uh, but I like to speak on the term of legacy and what you want to be remembered by. Um, so I'd like to ask a question when all is said and done, what do you, what do you want to be remembered for both as a, a person and as a professional? That is a tough one. <laughs> um, I, I guess my main goal is that people know that I cared. You know, that if, if they're talking about me later on in life, if I'm, if I'm past and everything, I, I would hope that they see that, man, John really loved on his patients. Um, may not have been the smartest guy in the room. He may not have known everything he's talked about, but, man, he really loved his patients. And he, he loved the people around him. And he did that every day. You know, I, I'm not concerned with, always knowing every answer in the book. Um, I'm gonna do my best to, to be my best for my patients and know everything I can. I'm gonna look it up if I don't know it, but I can guarantee you that every day I'm gonna give them a smile and come in there and whether it's a joke or uh, just talking about life, you know, I, I just wanna build relationships with people and let them know that man, I, I really do love being there for them and being around them and I, I genuinely, genuinely do care for people. And I hope they see that. And I hope that's kind of something that, that people would say whenever my time is done. Definitely. You can see that John's definitely developed a great relationship and uh, developed great passion for working with his patients, all rooted in love. So we appreciate him sharing that with us. As we come to a close and we wrap up this episode, I just want to give you a chance to speak to our audience members on anything that we may not have covered. And then also uh, leave them a calling card. Where can they reach you, whether it be through phone, email, or on any social media channels? Uh, just give them a little bit of uh, things that we may not have covered and a little bit mm -hmm. of calling card for yourself. Um, so I'm, I'm not huge on social media, but I, I am, I am always here at Dulles. <laughs> so you can, you can definitely find me here working. Um, but I, I think biggest thing maybe that we didn't touch on is just, or I think we, we already touched on it, but I think it's just so huge is like we said, the communication with the different providers and then just building the relationships with those patients. Um, if there's one thing I learned from, from all the therapists that I've been around is it's not so much what you know is it's that they know that you care, you know? And I think if, if we can do really great job as therapists, as providers with letting them know that we're there for them, caring for them and, and building a relationship, then they're going to trust us a whole lot more. And whether we give the absolute best evidence-based treatment, every single time or there may be something missing that, that we're not always going to get it completely right if we're 90 percent right and we're loving on them and, and telling them everything that we can and doing everything possible that we can do and then we're we're growing and adjusting on as we go and we're getting closer to that 100 percent every single time then i think they're really going to improve and they'll they'll not just improve but they'll always come back and they'll they'll say man we had a great time at mts or I had a great time with JD. He was the best therapist I've ever been around. He just was a great person. You know, and I think that's, that's huge. And I hope that we can kind of get focused on that as a profession instead of everything be geared towards just the treatment. But also, like we said in the opening, is 
incorporating the whole person and making sure we're, we're not leaving anything unturned there. Gotcha. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. I know you have a very busy schedule during this time of year, but I appreciate you taking the time out of it, your schedule to join us. Hopefully we can have you on some future episodes, take a little deeper dive, maybe into some sports specific rehab, some return to play protocols that you use for your athletes. So thanks mm-hmm. for joining us. Most definitely. Thank you for having me on, Diddy. All right. And thanks again for joining us for this episode of Well Within Reach. As a team, we hope that you find what we share here helpful on your journey. Whether you are battling physical issues or looking for kindred folks, we are honored to have the opportunity to connect with you. If you're looking for more information about our company, please visit mtspts.com. If you are looking to join our team, you can find all our career opportunities on our website under the Careers tab. We believe in the power of physical movement along with emotional and spiritual connection. If you have content ideas for our podcast or feedback of any kind, you can reach us at podcast at mtspts.com. If you found value from it, please share it with a friend. Make sure you also subscribe so you can get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. We would be extremely grateful for that as your reviews help encourage others to listen in. Remember, your best self is well within reach and so is our next episode. We hope you join us then.